morning, God's people. You're all welcome. It's a pleasure having you. Um, it's been God's great year. 2022 has been a great start. And I want to use this opportunity to talk about the significance of process. And what do I mean by process? When I talk about the significance of process, if you look through the Bible, you will discover that Adam was the only man that did not go through any process. And therefore, because he did not go through the stages of development, meaning from childhood to adulthood, when God made him, he made him as an adult. He made him as a grown man. And therefore, there were certain stages of development that came with experiences, that came with pain, that came with practicality that Adam did not experience. And there's something that happens when people do not go through process. They receive things or they possess things that they do not have value for. And therefore, when God gave the instruction not to eat the fruits of the garden, Adam did not understand the significance of that instruction. Why? He did not undergo process. We live in a generation into the first century where every young man, young lady believes that is a fast lane to making it, making money, becoming big quick without going through anything, without heartache. You even hear people say, I did not come to this world to suffer. Man, I am not Job. Job's experience is different from mine. Dearly beloved, I want to say to you that if God must take you far, God must take Take you through things. I repeat, if God must take you far, God must take you through things. And if God must do that, you must have experiences. The scripture puts it simply this way. It said concerning Jesus, Paul writing in the accounts of the Hebrews said that Jesus learned obedience from the things that he suffered. Jesus, the son of God, the word of God made incarnate, learned obedience from the things that he suffered. In other words, God allowed his own very precious son to undergo the process of development. The Bible actually puts it this way in Luke, I think chapter 1 verse 45. It said concerning the child Jesus, he grew in wisdom and knowledge and with favor with God and with man, simply meaning that when he came into the world, Jesus needed to go through process. Now, that takes me to the next point of what I want to say. People who don't go through anything do not have a sense of appreciation or people who have gone through less have a low level of appreciation when it comes to people's positions and challenges. People who do not go through certain things are very judgmental in their analysis and assessments of people's situation. The Bible simply put it this, to whom much is given, much is expected. And invariably put it this way, Anyone who has gone through things, people who have gone through pains, people who have gone through difficult times and storms and finally are blessed and have found themselves at the pinnacle of success, tend to be kinder and more gentle 
than those who were given everything on the platter of God. So what am I saying to you? You may not like where you are. You may not like what you're going through. You may not like what you're hearing. But I came to say to you, child of God, that our God is a God of process. And therefore, if God must entrust you with so much, God will first have to teach you what it means to be uh, a servant first before you become the Lord of the house. And therefore, every one of God's children must first start at the lowest level before he begins to take you up. And when he takes you up, no man can put you down. But if you put yourself up, God will put you down. But when you are down, God lifts you up. And, and when he lifts you up, no weapon formed against you, prosper against you, shall prevail. I thank God that I know that what has been shared has been of tremendous blessings to you. Until I come your way, I remain again, Pastor Nkemakon. I'm Gabriel Anemeke. For prayers and partnership, you can call me on 0803-514-56. God bless you and shalom. Glory be to God. What a time to be alive. We thank God for his mercies and great blessings upon our lives. This is Friday. I believe is the 8th of October 2021. We thank God for his mercies and grace upon our lives. And um, God has been kind and gracious to us all. If we look at it, the psalmist says, count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has really done for each and every one of us. It's so good to hear your voice. It's also good to know that you are alive and that the Lord is keeping you in spite of wherever you are, the challenges that is facing you. I want to use this opportunity to talk to us or share the word of God that concerns the word Titan. The word Titan is an ancient word. It literally means the tent, the tent portion, the tent. It means the one tent. That is what the Titan means. And I want to talk about heightened because of the several controversies that are risen in the body of Christ concerning the subject of Titan. And I want to enumerate this morning, please, if you indulge me by the Spirit of God to explain to you that Titan is a kingdom practice. It is not a practice of the law. The Bible says in the book of Psalm verse 19, um, chapter 19, he says that the law of the Lord is perfect even to the converting of the soul. So the word of God is perfect. Now, what is the origin of Titan? Many people said it's the Old Testament. No, it's a kingdom practice. And um, we build our context from Malachi 3.10. He said, bring the tithe, bring the one cent to my house. Here's the Lord. Command ye me, and I will open the windows of heaven, 
and I'll pour out a blessing that you don't have a room to receive. Now, I want to point out two things there, the blessing and the windows of heaven. The first time the word mentioned, windows of heaven was mentioned, was referred to the, in the days of Noah, when there was a flood on the earth and God had to release the voils, the, the, the channels of water upon the earth and the earth was flooded. And for 40 days and 40 nights it rained until the water began to recede. And we know the entire story. And now God is likening the obedience of tight pain to the experience that Noah had. Now, number two, the word blessing has been misunderstood. And when many people read that, the concept of blessing is finances. No, it's not completely finances. No, it might include a blessing in the area of finances. But the word blessing, the Hebrew word for blessing means empowered to prosper. So there is a sanction that comes from heaven that energizes you as God's child to prosper, to prosper in your business, to prosper in your health, to prosper in your marriage, to prosper in your relationship with people. And that is what the act does. Then he said, I, the Lord, will rebuke the devourer. Another translation puts it this way, the waster. So what is the job of the waster? The job of the waster is to ensure that you, as a child of God, is not fruitful. You are not productive. The job of the waster is to make you counterproductive. So the tithe ensures that you do not become counterproductive, but rather you remain relevant in the affairs of life and you excel in your endeavors. See, the Babylonians understood Titan. Remember, God called Abraham from Babylon. And he's called the Chidens of all. And God erects a covenant with him. Abraham, the patriarch, did not operate in the law. He operated in a grace, in an era where grace was not prevalent. By faith, Abraham was able to assess the end from the beginning. So he paid a tithe to Melchizedek. Melchizedek means king of righteousness. It means king of peace. And the Bible says that the lesser is blessed by the greater. And he took a tenth of all from Abraham and declared on Abraham as a blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of the heavens and the earth. That were the exact words that were released by Melchizedek. So what happens is that when we release the tithe, it empowers God to cause you to flourish on the earth. It is a legitimate right of invitation, just like prayer invites God into your life. Tithing also invites God to have access in your life and your domain, to allow God prosper the works of his hands. And it comes with this very strong benefit. It's not just to prosper you, but to ensure that decay and rot and the devourer, who is the devil, does not cause you to labor in vain. So it is and a preserver. The tithe is a preserver. And it gives the tithe to Melchizedek. And Melchizedek goes his way. Now the Bible takes, tells us in Hebrews 6 and 7, Paul takes a lot of time to elaborate on the principle of Titan. 
and it talks about the priesthood of Melchizedek and how men receive tithes from men and how men stand as custodians to receive tithes on behalf of God. So the concept here is that it is a spiritual principle. Now, if you are a child of God and even if you are a secular uh, student, you can take your Google and look at the numerical value of 10. What does it stand? What is the spiritual symbolism of 10? What is the relevance of 10? All throughout the Bible. One thing keeps popping out throughout. And what is that? Order. The number 10 stands for divine order. So when tithe is paid, or I don't want to use the word paid, when tithe is given because you have a covenant sense with a covenant practitioner that you are, when you give the tithe, it ushers in divine order in your affairs. It ushers order into your life. And remember, the Bible said in Genesis, when it was talking about disorderliness, it said in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In verse 2, the Bible said the earth was empty and void, and darkness was upon the face of the earth. The Morpha translation says it was full of superfluity of nothingness. So there was chaos on the earth. And how did God bring order? God spoke, let there be light. Now, how does God bring order into your life? By speaking the blessing. The word blessing is in the Hebrew, it's also the word barak. It means one to speak over the other. Hallelujah. So when the tithe is given as a child of God, God speaks order from the realms of eternity over your life. It speaks over your family, it speaks over your wealth, and it dispels the chaos and the confliction in the world. I want to believe that this few minutes of sharing this word with you has blessed you. It is not a church policy. It is not a doctrine issue. It is a kingdom issue. I remember my humble self, Pastor Inkema Konam Gabriel, for prayer, for counseling, for instruction, for admonition, you can call me on 0803-514-5456. Our ministry is based in the city of Aba Abia State, Nigeria. You can reach us at number 9, Omenihu Street, off 42 Immaculate Street, Aba. I repeat, number 9, Omenihu Street, of 42 Immaculate Street. So I want to believe that God has touched you and I want to believe that I may also see you this Sunday. Our services begin by 9 a.m. Our word and spirit service. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. A young king had ascended the throne as a result of a fallout with his previous master. Ironically, the gods had found favor with him and enthroned him as king over his people. But even as much as he was anointed as a new ruler over the people, his heart went out for his former mentor and he held him in high esteem and honor and repute. And when he had several opportunities to strike his former mentor, he avoided it because of the respect and value he had placed on him until one day. 
the deposed king who refused to forfeit his throne went to king, went to war rather with his son. And in that battle, both the king and the son were slain. A stranger who knew the feed or the feud rather between the king and the deposed king sought to exploit the opportunity for his own profitability or his own gain. So he ran to the king, bringing the news to him, telling him how his mentor now is dead. And he died by his very own hands. The king was infuriated and ordered his men to kill him. For he was not afraid to touch the one whom the gods have selected. That king is King David, the deposed king was King Saul, and the servant was the Amalekite. This is chapter one, you may say, of streams of thought that I will be taking from the book of Philippians chapter two, verse five, where Paul writing to the Philippians begins to give us an instruction. Let this mind be in you, is what I will caption this series. He said, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus also. Verse 6. Who being in the form of God, taught it not robbery to equal himself with God. I want to pause there. What is Paul saying? Man is a tripartite being. Man is a spirit, has a soul, and lives in a body. When we talk about the mind... The mind is what the brain is to the body. The mind is the, it is the centerpiece, the masterpiece that orchestrates the rhythms and the parts of the soul. The soul is made up of three essential ingredients. The will, the emotion, and the intellect. So when he said, let his mind be in you, Paul is saying to us, let our intellect let our reasoning, let these emotions that was seen in Christ be captured into your very essence, your very being. That you can relieve the same emotions, you can re relieve the same streams of thought, and that you can begin to pattern your life after this similitude. And the first thing Paul mentions in the order of preference here. Is he said, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Being in the form of God, taught it not robbery to equal himself with God. So the first order of preference he's saying here is, do not go after vainglory. What is vainglory? Vainglory is when people seek to receive to themselves honor, appreciation, recognition, celebration, and all that the world can offer. And vainglory is not geared towards appreciating people or being of service to people, but to stand at the spotlight to be noticed by everyone and let everyone talk about what you have done and to whom you did it to. That is vainglory. The Amalekites sought for vainglory 
is sought to be celebrated. It's sought to be in the spotlight. It sought the cheers of the king and the rendition of praise from the mouths of the noble. But the end thereof was death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The Bible says, let no man pursue vain glory. Paul exalting Timothy. But let everyone humble themselves. Let everyone serve God in the capacity that they know how to. For in due season, we will reap if we do not faint. What am I trying to say to you? Don't seek to be noticed. Don't seek to be recognized. Don't give with your left hand and let your right hand know what you have done. Let him who sees in the secrets reward you openly. It's a natural thing at this part of this world that people seek vainglory. We seek luncheons and we put names and we want people to know what we have given and what we have done. We put them on Instagrams. We put them on Snapchats. Some are not really intended for vainglory. Some were intended to encourage others to partner with them because primarily God knows the motives and intentions of everyone's heart. All also want to hear the praises of people in their mouth. David was never a man like that. As much as the people sang his praise, the Saul had killed his thousands and David his ten thousands, he never allowed it to get into his head. He did not pay for the women to sing his praise. Let this mind be in you. This is the simplicity of the gospel. The Bible says it is foolishness to them who do not believe. I pray that this mindset will find expression in your life. This mindset, this attitude of not seeking to be recognized and applauded by men, but to do whatever you need to do, whether you are seen or unseen, to the glory and the praise of His Majesty. The Lord bless you. My name is Pastor Nkema Konam Gabriel Anemeke. I'm the Senior Pastor of Church with Hours Global Ministry resident here in the city of Aba. For prayers, counseling, and partnership, you can call me on 0803-514-5456. Until I come your way again, remain blessed and let this mind be in you. Shalom. Welcome to Times of Inspiration and God's Word. As I, God's servant, Pastor Kimon Colon, brings you the Word of God today. I believe that this will spice up your weekend and give you the courage and inspiration to look forward into the year and the months. I read from Exodus 17 verse 10. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with the Amalekites. And Moses and Aaron and all went up to the top of the hill. Verse 12. But Moses' hands were heavy and they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon and Aaron and all steadied up his hands. The one on the other side and the other on the other side and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun 
Exodus 24, verse 14. And he said unto the elders, Tarry ye here for us until we come again unto you. And behold, Aaron and all are with you. If any man have any masters to do, or matters to do with, rather, let him come unto them. I want to say that whoever that is being beckoned upon, or whoever that is being called upon, is actually solving a problem. The Bible tells us a story that um, God's children, Israel, was living in Egypt, and the first people who attacked them were the Amalekites. The Amalekites were raiders. And so God said, because of what Amalekai had done to Israel, I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalekai from the face of the earth. And so God gives Moses an instruction, and that instruction is to go up and lift up his hands upon the high places. And the man of God, in the name of Moses, began to grow weary. His hands began to grow faint from lifting them up. The Bible actually said that at time that Moses lifted up his hands, Israel prevailed over their enemy. And each time his hands went down, the Amalekites gained ascendancy over the children of Israel. Their enemies got ascendancy over them. And I want to use this as a, a point and of illustration to address something that I believe will be a blessing to us. If you've chosen a local assembly, a place to worship, a place to uh, be impacted by God's word, I strongly encourage you that you become an integral part of that entity. Many times people believe that the man of God or the pastor or the saint man or the vision bearer is on his own. I want to clear something from the story that we read. The enemies were not the enemies of Moses. They were the enemies of Israel. The enemies of your pastor, your prophet, your man of God are not his enemies. They are your enemies. And so there was division of labor. Joshua was a man of war, so he led the troop to the battleground. But Aaron and all understood their place. And their job was to steady the hands of their man of God. And I want to say this today. Many genuine, sincere, caring, loving ministers of God are beginning to grow weary. I repeat again, begin to grow weary. Why? There is no one who is there to support their hands. And because there's no support system, their hands are beginning to get heavy. He can't do it all alone. I repeat, the Bible said his hands began to grow weary. Yes, Moses, the man who stood in the presence of God, 40 days and 40 nights without food, his hands were growing weary. And so Aaron and all played a vital support system. In 2022, we need support system. Every man, every prophet needs a support system. My victory is your victory. Your victory is my victory. And we have leaders and we have ministers who are on the front front of things and they are bleeding because nobody is there to steady their hands, to make the work work, to make the battle successful. But this man said, no, we'll hold his hands up until the going down of the sun. 
and so Israel prevailed. Everyone that was actively involved, everyone that participated, ensured that victory was on their side. Aaron and all may have not lifted up a spear or a javelin, but what they did by supporting the hands of the man of God gave the camp of Israel absolute victory. And I'm saying this to you as a child of God. Many of us have received instructions from God, visions from God, dreams from God. And there is nobody by our side to ensure the actualization of these dreams and visions because they believe it is his thing, her thing, not our thing. And that is a very wrong approach. The enemy is unified. And I don't see why the body of Christ should not be unified with a single purpose or vision, wherever you find yourself in. I round up by saying what the psalmist said. He said, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious ointment that runs from the heads of Aaron down to his beards, even to his curse of his garment. He said, there abided the blessings of God now and forevermore. And therefore, Lord, we are believing and trusting you that you will support, hold hand, the hands of the man of God. And as you do that, as he ascends, you ascend. As victories are secured, it becomes your victory. As he's blessed, you are also blessed. For prayers, inquiry, partnership, and support, you can call me on 0803-514-56. Until I come your way, remain blessed. Shalom.